Welcome to Advance with MUSE Health. I'm your host, Erin Spain. This show's mission is to help you find ways to preserve and optimize your health and get the care you need to live well. MUSE Health is known for innovation and in telehealth, with a strong history of using telehealth to improve access to quality health care for medically underserved areas of South Carolina. Now our virtual care services are growing to offer specialty care to new and existing rheumatology and endocrinology patients. Emily War is the administrator of the MUSE Center for Telehealth and joins me to talk about this innovative new offering for patients. Welcome to the show, Emily. Thank you. So for those who have yet to experience it, explain telehealth. What exactly is it? How does it work when we're talking about virtual appointments? What do patients need to receive telehealth care? Well, telehealth has come a long way in that most people have in their possession either a phone or a laptop computer or a tablet that they would be able to use to interact with their provider for a telehealth visit. Tell me about the history of MUSC Health and the Center for Telehealth. It's really made a mark in the world of telehealth. It's fairly rare across the country. Yeah, indeed it is. We have been very fortunate to have had the support of the South Carolina State Legislature for some years. About 10 years now, they have funded telehealth efforts to be extended across the whole state. And as part of that work, we formed what's called the South Carolina Telehealth Alliance, which is really a collaboration amongst historically competitive hospital systems, frankly, to serve South Carolinians through telehealth and digital health, really virtual visits into the home, all the way up to those that are offered to hospitals settings. South Carolina has a lot of rural areas in the state. What need or gap does virtual care fill? Well, it can fill a lot of gaps. One of the biggest ones and sort of our primary focus is access. So the access to highly specialized care and even primary care and pediatrics is highly variable across the state. In the urban areas, there's certainly much more access within driving distance to highly specialized care. But in rural areas, many people may not have access to mental health services or care. And through telehealth, we can come right into your living room or to the library, to a local place that would have equipment that you could connect with your provider. So we really open up the ability to bring specialty access directly to the patient where they are. What is it about virtual care that it makes it easier or quicker for the healthcare system to respond to patients. One is on the patient side, the ability to meet the patient where they are, whether it's in their office during their lunch break or in their home, is that they don't have to factor in the travel. They may be able to fit a visit into their busy schedule more readily. And then on the provider side, again, we schedule months out for brick and mortar locations. Some of that is related to space, the ability to actually get into brick and mortar clinic and have the space to be seen by the provider and the care team. But also there's just a finite number of specialists that have schedules available in those brick and mortar clinics. What can and cannot be done during a virtual visit? That's a great question. I think historically, we've approached virtual care from a what-can't-be-done mindset. But what we learned during the pandemic when everything had to be virtual was that actually most things can be done. Now, certainly, surgical procedures can't be done. There are elements of the continuum of care that absolutely require in-person assessment, physical assessment, and even procedures, of course. But there are many elements of physical assessment visually, but also with the help of devices that people have in their homes. We can get a very clear picture of what's going on with a patient via a virtual visit using video, audio, and then also devices that many patients have in their own homes. 
So if you're starting out with virtual care, can you still see a doctor in person if you want to? Absolutely. So we really want this to be patient-centric and focused on patient needs and also patient choice. So absolutely, if the patient wants to see as part of a follow-up and continuation of their care, a physician in person, we will absolutely advocate to help them make that happen and work with scheduling to get them in either here in Charleston or anywhere in the state that's appropriate for their next level of care. What we've found is that patients, once they've tried a virtual visit or telehealth, recognize there actually is a lot that can be accomplished through a virtual visit. And indeed, their care plan starts and their treatment starts. And then those next steps in their plan fall into place. And will you be interacting with anybody else during one of these virtual care visits, such as a nurse or a medical student, perhaps? Certainly a nurse is going to be involved in the care. Now, whether or not you interact with that nurse via the phone or on video or after your visit as part of your follow-up planning, that may vary depending on your needs and your specific case. But in general, there is a whole team wrapped around the physician to make sure that the care is done efficiently and effectively. So you could interact with a scheduler for follow-up reasons, a nurse, a physician, or a nurse practitioner or physician assistant during your care continuum. And if somebody needs something like lab work done. They can go in their local community and have it sent back to their specialist. That's right. That was a really important part of building out this virtual specialty service that there would be follow-up needs. We would need labs, imaging, infusion centers to support the work of these virtual specialists. So what we've done is we've built a really extensive wraparound team and post-visit support mechanism to make sure that we're finding the patients that next step of care, the follow-up, the labs and imaging as local as possible within their communities. So we're building out a network of ancillary services that we partner with so that perhaps we see a patient up in the Myrtle Beach area and we're in Charleston, we would then work through local resources to make sure that we're connecting the patient to a location where they can get their labs done, their imaging, infusion, whatever is required. So what has reaction been so far from folks who have taken part and they've had a few appointments? The response that we're hearing has been very positive, which is encouraging. You can imagine that if you tried a general traditional mechanism and were told that you would have to wait four to six months and then had the opportunity to be seen within 24 to 48 hours, begin treatment, get medications prescribed, and have a relationship with a physician that can be continued beyond that initial visit, it's really been a positive experience for a lot of our patients. That's why we're looking to add other specialties, because we think we've found an opportunity to really reach the people where they are and help them in a timely manner. And the news today is that there's now going to be this virtual care for rheumatology and endocrinology patients. And this is really important because there are a lot of diseases and conditions that fall into these divisions. Can you tell me about that? What sort of conditions may people have that they need to see an endocrinologist or rheumatologist? The most common endocrinology disease or chronic disease that people are very familiar with is diabetes. So whether it's type 1 diabetes or type 2 diabetes, specialized endocrinology can really help patients manage their disease, but also have better outcomes. There's also thyroid disorders, really any human disorder associated with hormones, frankly, and an endocrinologist can really accentuate and improve the care and outcomes of patients with those sorts of disorders. 
Similarly, rheumatology is intended for patients who have inflammatory disease processes. So that's arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, some autoimmune, some more related to something called osteoarthritis, which is in your bones and joints, but can be very painful, frankly. And the reason that we chose endocrinology and rheumatology as our first two specialties to offer this way was because we have real challenges with access. In fact, we have long wait times for patients who are seeking a first appointment with an endocrinologist or a rheumatologist. Tell me about those wait times. What can they be like if you want to see someone in person? It ranges, but generally four to six months is what we were looking at, which is incredibly long, particularly if you're in pain or you're impaired in any way. Activities of daily living, particularly with rheumatologic disorders, can be impaired. People have trouble walking. Swollen joints can be very painful. So as you can imagine, if you're trying to get in to be seen and begin your care plan, waiting four to six months to see a specialist is really discouraging and can slow your progress and healing. So we decided to open up a really easy to access self-scheduling opportunity for patients seeking endocrinology and rheumatology care and are able to actually achieve wait times that are more like 24 to 48 hours. Now tell me about who's a good candidate for virtual specialty care anyone, I think, is a good candidate for virtual specialty care that has the specific symptoms associated with endocrinology and rheumatology disorders. The way we help identify whether or not a patient is appropriate is through the website that we bring patients into, the virtual specialty website. We ask a series of questions to identify what the true need is and if it's something that we can help you with these two specialties with or if we need to try to capture you and bring you into a different specialty, perhaps in person or via a separate mechanism. And so as patients come through that list of questions and identify their needs, then we have a nursing team that will contact them and ask if they have any other questions and then can really help connect them to the appropriate level of care, whether it be within our service or outside of our service. We do not require a referral. However, we welcome referrals. And so I think that is a differentiator here. Certainly, specialties that have access issues, many times a referral is absolutely required to even get put in the queue to get a visit. And in this case, we recognize that there are patients who may not have a referral but know they have a need. And so we take on the responsibility of figuring out what the appropriate next step is for their care by breaking down any barrier to access and bringing them in with or without a referral. I think the biggest barrier to beginning treatment is just that wait time. There's also, of course, drive times and the requirement to travel and difficulty with traveling, certainly when you work and have a family and other requirements of general life outside of driving multiple hours to see a provider. And we're able to mitigate that challenge with virtual care. And there are certain requirements such as this is only for folks in South Carolina and right now for adults. That's right. The goal, certainly, if we continue to see success, is to ultimately grow the service offering. But we are serving South Carolina and intend to really solve for the access issues for these two specialties in South Carolina first before we move beyond South Carolina. So yes, patients that live in South Carolina and are 18 years of age or older are the ones that we're focusing on now. I get a question a lot about pediatrics, and certainly we would love to serve pediatrics, but we're beginning with adults and we'll likely move into pediatrics down the road. You mentioned that sometimes a patient may be seen within 24 to 48 hours. What time of day is this available and what are some of the logistics around it? Right now, we're focused on Monday through Friday, but we do offer as early as 8 o'clock in the morning for a visit and then all the way to around 6 p.m., depending on day. And the nice thing is the patient can go directly to the website and see what's available. But generally speaking, our availability is either same day or next day, but generally very quick turnaround times for patients. 
And how long do these interactions last? Almost exactly the same as an in-person interaction. So if you see your provider in person and it typically takes 15 to 30 minutes, that's about what you can expect with a virtual visit as well. So you mentioned we could be seeing more specialties coming online here in years to come. How are you going to be evaluating the success of this program? Well, we have some tried and true metrics around wait times for patients, access related metrics, and we're already tracking those. But I think one of the biggest metrics that we're looking to hone in on over the course of the next couple of months is around sort of the patient engagement and experience. Those stories from the patients that tell us what we could do better, what's going well, and what it meant for their own personal lives to be able to see a specialist quickly and via this virtual mechanism. So patient and family feedback is really important to us. You mentioned that the COVID-19 pandemic did allow telehealth services to go to that next level and really prove that it can be used for a lot of different reasons. Tell me about how telehealth around the country has really exploded and how MUSC Health is being a leader and an example for other institutions. It was a game changer, the pandemic, for sure. This idea that we could take very good care of patients virtually and via video was really an innovative idea that a lot of people were dabbling in prior to the pandemic. But of course, the pandemic accelerated that activity. And in the post-pandemic world, I think we're focusing on more mature ways to sustain programs and to measure our success and really articulate the value of telehealth as part of the health service delivery continuum. MUS as I mentioned, has had a great relationship with the South Carolina State Legislature that's given us the opportunity to build out extensive service offerings and also led to our center at MUSC being designated as HRSA Center of Excellence. And so what that's given us is the opportunity to rigorously evaluate our own services here and also identify best practices to disseminate across the country. So we have a great opportunity to work with other telehealth centers and academic medical centers across the country to share the best practices that we've learned and also learn from them. I'd say, you know, it's highly variable by region in the country how much telehealth is being used. Interestingly, it's a great tool for rural states like ours, like we discussed, but also in the urban areas, there's a significant amount of telehealth occurring. There are different barriers, not having to drive far and perhaps not access issues, but also, you know, convenience and space. In big cities, there are issues with clinic space. And so being able to take part of your practice and deliver directly to the patient's home changes those sort of access barriers that historically were challenging. Post-pandemic, have you seen an uptick in people using the virtual health and telehealth services at MUSC Health? Yes, definitely. Prior to the pandemic, we had some service offerings that were very successful, hospital to hospital. We had a school-based program that was very successful, but the ambulatory activity was less than 1% virtual. During the pandemic, we went to approximately 65 or 70% virtual. And then coming out of the pandemic, we've settled out at a similar percentage to our colleagues around the country, around 10 to 15% of ambulatory activity occurring virtually. But it really ranges by specialties. Some specialties are super well poised, frankly, for virtual care. Mental health is a great example. Endocrine and room are great examples, as we've discussed today. But there are others that are really well poised for virtual care. There are some academic medical centers and others, health systems across the country, who are seeing as high as 20, 25, 30 percent of their ambulatory activity occurring virtually. Now, you mentioned there are some things that cannot be done over telehealth, such as lab work or surgery, but maybe that could change someday. Tell me about the future of virtual and telehealth and what we might see in the next 10 to 20 years. 
Oh, I definitely think so. I mean, it's all evolving. In the next 10 to 20 years, we'll see more and more care occurring where people live and work and less commuting or traveling to a different city or even to a different part of town to have the vast majority of your health needs delivered. With regard to labs, there's already solutions out on the market to send labs directly into a patient's home. There's really easy ways to get small blood samples. Now, certainly, you know, phlebotomy where you need larger vials of samples will take a little longer to solve for, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility within the next few years to be able to really accomplish a lot. Well, as we wrap up here, can you tell folks listening, what are the next steps? Let's say they do have a condition. They want to see someone in rheumatology or endocrinology. They want to see a physician through virtual telehealth care. What should they do? There are a couple of pathways. The first is to just Google MUSC virtual care, and the page that comes up will give you a couple of options. We have a virtual urgent care program that people use often for urgent care needs. And then we also have this specialty service offering that they'll be able to come right through to that self-scheduling page, answer some triage questions, go ahead and get scheduled and seen. Your primary care provider can offer you a referral directly into this virtual specialty offering. So if you know and your primary care physician knows knows that you need to see a specialist, then they can refer directly into this virtual specialty offering. It's important to say that for MUSC Health, virtual care is an important part of the mission. Tell me about that. Absolutely. We have strategic goals around growth and innovation. And certainly with access, growth is part of virtual care's ability to be a strong tool in our tool belt. But our mission is to serve the state of South Carolina and make South Carolinians' lives better. And we think virtual care is a great way to do that for convenience, for access, and really just to serve citizens of South Carolina, no matter where they live or what their zip code is. Thank you so much, Emily War, for coming on the show and talking about these new specialties, which I'm sure many folks are going to be interested in pursuing. So thank you for your time today. Thank you. For more information on this podcast, check out advance.musehealth.org.